Welcome to the St. Victory Podcast. I'm Josh St. Marie, who last time unfairly went after Trevor Lawrence with no stats whatsoever to back it up. And I'm here with Victor, who scoffed at my Trevor Lawrence slander. But here we are after a rough week for Lawrence. Is it luck or do I have the well-trained eyes of an NFL scout? Thoughts, Victor? I would not go that far, but Trevor Lawrence certainly did look unimpressive this week. Uh, I absolutely do not have the well-trained eyes of an NFL scout. So I guess the if we're going with this dichotomy I've presented us with these two options, it has to be luck. But I think we're, that's, where we'll, that's where we'll start off this week. We'll start off with revisiting some of our takes from last week, including Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars. Uh, just because now I have some actual stats to back it up. So I'm going to take my victory lap while I can. Don't know how many more weeks I'll be able to. And then after that, uh, we have a couple games planned for you that should be fun. And then if we have time, we have one listener question, believe it or not. But to uh, get started, we'll go ahead and dive right in with Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars. I know neither of us had the opportunity to really watch this game. Maybe opportunity is not the best word. I think we probably avoided it uh, (laughs) because Texans versus Jaguars, not exactly a game anyone wanted to watch during week one of the NFL. So it kind of went unnoticed. I have had the chance to see Lawrence's highlights. Uh, Really all I looked at was his interceptions because that's what I wanted to see because that's what I said was going to happen and it happened. So I'm basking in the glory of the Trevor Lawrence failure, which is very unfair, but I have some stats here, but just before I got in, get into those, is there anything you uh, want to add maybe about the Jaguars or Lawrence? Uh, so my general takeaway, obviously without seeing uh, the whole game was urban Meyer. Like this is going to be a absolute, an absolute train wreck. Um, he, I, I don't really think his style of coaching is going to translate that well to the NFL game and the roster that he's beginning with is the type of roster where I wouldn't be surprised if Myers out uh, after his first season, if, if even if makes it through this first season, the rumors with USC sound kind of compelling for him. Yeah, I know it was, I can't remember if it was Monday or Tuesday at this point. But the, the joke started happening about once the USC firing happened, they're like, oh, Urban Meyer, it's going to happen next. And then I'm scrolling through Twitter and uh, Michael Lombardi, who's a very reputable source, says, I, I could see it happening. And at that moment, I was like, this this really cannot be real. Of course, Urban Meyer has de- denied it, saying I'm 100 percent staying with the Jaguars. But if we remember Nick Saban, that's really just the first step to departure. So. Could Urban Meyer be out the door if I'm a Jaguars fan? I'm rooting for it. I think he's not an NFL coach. I think he's an awesome college coach. But for whatever reason, his style of coaching, it doesn't work in the NFL. So I don't really know if what I'm about to say about Lawrence then is fair because it really could just be coaching an opportunity. I just want to go over just how bad Trevor Lawrence's performance was in week one. So these are some actual stats this time since last time I was all like, well, I just have this feeling basically is what I said, <laughs> but there's a, there's a couple of well-respected in advanced stats. Now advanced stats in the NFL are not necessarily like that in the MLB, but they, there are some well-respected stats and a couple of those are EPA expected points added specifically looking that, at that on a per play basis. So what that does is it takes the down distance and field position and it says on average, how many points can a team expect to score when it's let's say third and five on their 35 yard line. 
And then it says, okay, they had a seven yard game. Now it's first and 10 and it's on the 42 yard line. What's the expected points added now? And they take the difference between the, those two down, down, uh, downs and you get what's called an expected points added. Uh, so then you're able to sum all that up, divide it by the number of plays, and you get an expected points added per play. So we can look at that from a quarterback from plays. They pass the ball, they run the ball, and also penalties. Now, another stat I am looking at here is called completion percentage above or over expectation. It's another very well-respected stat. Uh, this stat measures a QB's performance on any given throw relative to how difficult the throw is essentially. And to measure that, they you look at things like uh, air yards, how far the target is from the sideline or nearest defender, how far the QB is from the nearest pass rusher, the release. Uh, there's all sorts of stuff that comes in, but basically it comes out and says, Typically, a throw that matches all these parameters, we can expect it to be completed X percentage of time. You, you get all the data together and you say from all his throws, we think he should have completed 65% of his passes, but he actually completed 72% of his passes. So he completed 7% more than we expected. So all that to say, these are two very well-respected stats, pretty predictive stats. And in week one, Trevor Lawrence was the worst QB in the league when it came to completion percentage over expectation, and he was the fourth worst at EPA per play. Now, if you don't trust these mathematical numbers and you think, oh, it's so such a small sample size in the football world, I prefer the traditional counting uh, scouting approach of the eye test, if you will. PFF ranked Trevor Lawrence is the fourth worst quarterback on the week. And so when you take all these factors into consideration and let's say you put them on a graph with three axes, Lawrence graphs out to be one of, if not the worst quarterback on the week, it's him, it's Zach Wilson, it's Aaron Rodgers and Ben Roethlisberger. Now it's not necessarily bad company to be with Aaron Rodgers and Ben Roethlisberger, but all that to say, the stats back up that Trevor Lawrence at the moment does not look NFL ready. And so, yes, once again, I'm taking my victory laps. He was the worst QB in the league week one. I don't think that's where he'll finish, but I'm, I'm loving what I'm seeing so far as a Trevor Lawrence hater. Do you find anything I just said compelling, Victor? Yeah, I definitely think um, the fact that he was this bad in his first start uh, is something that should be taken um, should be taken seriously. It should be something that we we think about. So I definitely think when I first heard your take on Lawrence, I thought it was kind of out there. But uh, seeing him play in this way, um, it definitely it gives you pause when it comes to um, assuming that the fact that he was a five star high schooler, he was basically lost what two college ga- games. He was one of the greatest. Uh, winningest college quarterbacks of all time, maybe those attributes, they might not translate. So I think, I think your point, at least today, uh, one week (laughs) into the season, it's looking pretty good, but you know, there's, there's 17 more weeks. I'm sure Lawrence will progress like most young quarterbacks do, but I think uh, you raise some, some solid points in your concern. I think the narrative it's pretty safe to say is going to, follow that of Peyton Manning. Everyone's going to point to Peyton Manning's rookie season when he threw all these interceptions. Trevor Lawrence threw three interceptions, if you didn't know, on Sunday. None of them looked good. They all looked like very rookie mistakes. 
but people are going to point to that Peyton Manning, that unicorn of a season where he did so poorly. And from that point forward was an MVP player all the way until maybe his final season when he wasn't an MVP level player, but somehow won the Super Bowl. Don't get me started on that as a Patriots fan. But needless to say, I think that's going to be the narrative moving forward. But I don't think that it is fair to put that on Trevor Lawrence. Not everyone is Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, these guys do not show up as often as we like to think. So there's always going to be comparisons to, oh, he could be the next Tom Brady or the next Peyton Manning. But until I see it, I'm not going to believe it for Trevor Lawrence. But with that, so let's move on to a take that I definitely think I whiffed on. In fact, I whiffed on within mere minutes of us logging off of our podcast last week. We had talked and I was telling you all about how I'm a Bailey Falter guy. And I get on there and he he's in the second inning. He didn't start the game, but he's in the second inning. You know what he does? He goes 0.1 innings pitch, so one out. He gives up two hits, three earned runs, two walks, and only one strikeout. That's good for an 81 ERA and a 12 whip. Just uh, his worst performance to date. I feel like either I jinxed Bailey Falter and or I think you could say we missed the mark. So my question is, do you think we missed the mark? And if so, where did we go wrong? Because I have a theory, and I think it's a pretty strong theory, but I want to get your thoughts first, Victor. I think I think it was just a, a bad night. Uh, I think we did jinx him a little bit, hyping him up to be uh, a major league starter. I mean, he might end up being a, a funk reliever, and that, that would be fine comp- considering his, uh, his prospect status. But um, yeah, clearly he didn't have great command that night. He had two walks. Uh, he got hit with a little babbit, uh, gave up a couple hits. Um, I, I don't know. I think it was just one of those really bad games where a lot of pitchers have had. And like Falter in his past or in this season, he's had, uh, he had a game where he went uh, one and two thirds innings, gave up five runs. He had a game where he went two thirds of an inning, gave up three runs. I think this is, the type of volatility that you'll see often from young pitchers. Um, and he did come back out. Um, what was it on S- September 14th had a decent inning, rolled a double play, got out of uh, the inning without any run scoring. So I think falters still someone to keep an eye on, but I think we might've been a little bit exuberant in terms of uh, pegging him to be uh, a great fantasy value for next season. I think he'll have to show more in terms of, his ability to um, run through an order multiple times uh, in order for us to believe that he could be a legitimate fantasy starting pitcher. I love that theory, but I have an alternate theory to to propose here. And that is his name. His name is Falter. We are supporting a guy whose last name is literally Falter. And we're asking the question of where we went wrong. Where, where did we falter? If you will. I mean, the headlines Mm. write themselves. Think think about it. If Prince Fielder's name was Guard Fielder, do you think he would be a home run winning or home run derby winning baseball player? Or if his name was Prince Tackler, do you think he would be playing baseball? Do you think if Josh Hamilton's name, another home run derby winner, if his name was Josh Burr, I don't think I don't think he would have won a home run derby. And if his name was Josh Washington, I'm sure he'd still be winning home run derbies now. I, I mean, one final example here is Joe Montana. If his name was Joe New Jersey, you think he would have won four Super Bowls? 
And I throw that last one in there, of course, as a joke. Victor Victor goes to school in New Jersey, so maybe doesn't <laughs> think of it as lowly as that. Not that man, Montana really is that great of a state, but you get the point. We're supporting a guy with the last name Falter, and I think that that in itself should have been a red flag. Uh, it certainly could have. Uh, there are a lot of a lot of bad baseball names out there. I remember uh, Josh Outman. I think he pitched for the Athletics and the Rockies. He couldn't get people out. He didn't live up to his name. So I think, I think it go it could go either way. Maybe you could use it as motivation to be better than your name. Maybe it does curse you. But I think we'll have to see with Bailey Falter. I do like, <laughs> I like the the hypothesis, hypothesis though. It really gets us off the hook for uh, liking this guy. <laughs> Yes, it wasn't. It wasn't a poor analysis or small sample size or him being young. It was just the name. It was the name all along. But one final take I wanted to go over with, and this is this is more just an update. Just wanted to keep you guys updated on the status, and that is of the Red Sox defense. I believe last time I called them the worst defense in the league, and since then they this is their next six games since I said that they had one error, one error, zero errors, and then three games in a row with two errors. So. For those keeping track, that's eight errors in the last six games. It's it's not getting better, Victor. And I really don't have anything to add to that. But like the defense is is even worse than advertised. Truly, it's just worse than advertised. I went through and I looked at every team in the playoffs, uh, or they're projected to be in the playoffs, currently sitting in a playoff position, and all of them are within a corridor of 0.4 to 0.6 errors per game. You throw the Red Sox into that mix, they are at 0.7 errors per game. It's unbelievable, and they're only they only have the second most errors in the league. That, how is that possible? The Miami Marlins have more errors than the Red Sox. The Red Sox are doing their best to chase them down right now, and I think they will if they keep this string of two errors per game going. But oh, I mean, if the can you be a playoff team and make point seven errors per game? It's gross. I I'm not sure. I think. Because defense has always been a staple of how teams like the Tampa Bay Rays uh, play above maybe their name value. So on on uh, the flip side, the Red Sox having such porous defense at such key sp- key positions, such as shortstop, center field, third base, even uh, the corner outfield when they put in J.D. Martinez or Kyle Schwarber, uh, having that many poor defenders uh, probably does uh, make them play down. Uh, compared to what their actual um, talent level in terms of the pitching and offense is. And obviously from that Chris Sale start a few, uh, I think it was about a week and a half ago, uh, you could definitely crush uh, even the best of pitchers if you can't make uh, simple plays. I believe I saw that the Red Sox Babbitt allowed right now is over 300. And I really saw, I saw that and didn't even really blink. And I was like, that checks out. I don't think that's a bad luck thing. I think it's a defense thing. I mean, over 300, that's ridiculous, but that's where we are. Yep. But just, just wanted to revisit those takes. And as the Red Sox continually make errors, or if they stop, I'm going to just continue to mention it because it's really all I'm watching right now as a Red Sox fan. It's, it's, it's a fascinating thing as much as I like to complain about it. It's fascinating to watch a team that is that good make so many little league mistakes, but We're going to transition here into our first game of the night. Or no, sorry, sorry. Wrong. I skipped something. I don't know. I I added this thing where I I have a couple obscure strategy questions I want to talk through. 
with you because we're coming up on a situation where it's feasible. And we always say at this time of year, it's feasible and it never happens, but there could be a three-way tie scenario for the wild card spots in the AL. We could see three teams tie for two spots in the NL. We could see three teams tie for one spot. So I want to just talk through what happens during those tiebreakers and what, what team you want to be in that scenario. So let's start with the, with the AL. They, they get two spots and basically, so there's, sorry, three teams could be tied for two spots. That's the Red Sox, Blue Jays, and Yankees. If you look at the standings right now in the games back column, they are, they are all tied. The Red Sox have played two more games. So the win percentages aren't exactly equal, but they are all tied right now. So if they finish the season tied, what they do is they, they designate teams, club A, club B, and club C. Club A gets to host Club B with the winner becoming the wildcard host. Now, the loser of that game then heads to play Club C at Club C's home stadium to determine the visitor of the wildcard game. Right now, as things stand, they go they go off series record. So Club A would be the Red Sox, Club B would be the Blue Jays, and Club C would be the Yankees. But it's very clear in this scenario, you want to be Club A. You want to be the team that gets to host the first game. And then if they win that game, gets to host the wild card game. And if they lose, they get a, they get another opportunity to make it to the wild card game. So club, so it's very obvious club A is the, the, the team to be, but then the blue Jays get their choice next after the Red Sox will clearly play club A. And the question is, would you rather be team B who is away in the first game and away in the second game, but gets two opportunities to try and make it to the wild card game? Or would you rather be team C, which, um, is home for one game, but only gets that one chance to make it. So that's our first question. Uh, what What's the I, gut telling you? Because I have some math here. I think there's an, a right answer. Yeah, I could definitely see some so a right answer could be possible, but based off of based off of my initial reaction, I think I would prefer to be Club B, uh, just so you could get two bites at the apple. Uh, I don't think. Um, at least in the literature that I've read, that home field advantage is that uh, big of a advantage in uh, baseball, at least compared to other sports. Uh, maybe that changes when it comes to playoff uh, type atmospheres, but uh, that's the assumption I'm operating under, that being at home doesn't mean too much. Um, and then obviously if you're team B, uh, you could you could lose one game and still have an opportunity to get to the wild card game, which isn't an option for team C. Um, so I think, I think I would prefer to be team B in this scenario. And I believe you are correct. I'm going to show Victor, you guys listening, can't see it, but I literally did back of the napkin math here. And, and Victor, if you can see, there's like a dark spot. That's because remember before we started recording and I said, Oh, I just threw my water bottle into the wall on accident, but luckily nothing <laughs> spilled. Oh, it's spilled. It's spilled. It just spilled all over my, my notes. Oh, um, no, or when no. I did this math on the, on it, luckily it was a napkin. So it just absorbed it. That's why I didn't notice, but I literally have back of the napkin math here to try and, to try and figure out what the answer is in this case. And so the first thing is, let, let's just make the assumption, and it's an obviously an incorrect assumption, but let's say any team playing uh, or playing at home is uh, has the same probability to win against any other team. And the away team has the same probability of winning as the away team um, in any other 
uh, game. So we would then say, let's say, let's just throw random numbers in there. Let's say the home team has a 60% chance of winning. The away team has a 40% chance of losing. And it's like that no matter what's playing. Now, the second assumption we would make then is that uh, that's also technically incorrect, but it's not too far off base is that games one and two are not correlated to each other. So uh, losing the first game as if say team B loses their 40% chance, even in the next game, they would still have a 40% chance of, of winning. And so to get the probability of them uh, losing the first game and then winning the second, it would be 0.6 because that is 60% chance of losing times 0.4 because they had a 40% chance of winning, which would say a 24% chance of advancing from that route. Now, Here's the thing. Here's the first obvious thing that points us to why you would rather be team B in this scenario. And so if you're the Blue Jays, you choose to be team B. It's because let, let, let's pretend let's look at team C's route to making the the playoff. So winning the wild card game, they would have to win a home game. The, and then they would have to win an away game because remember team C in this scenario gets the one game, but it, and it's at home, but if they win that game, they're the away team, in the wild card. So a home win and an away win. Now let's look at team B who has two scenarios that can get them into the playoffs. In the first scenario, they can win as the away team against team A, and then they can win as the home team in the wild card game. So if you're paying attention here, that's another string of a away win and a home win, just like team C, it was just flip-flop for team C, a home win and away win. And when we're talking these probabilities with these assumptions we've made, the probability of those things happening are equal. They're the same string of events. It's an away win, it's a home win. And that's only one of the scenarios for Team B. They have an additional scenario. And so that additional scenario gives them in us that second chance, if you will, gives them an added probabilistic chance of them making the playoff. So you do want to be Team B in this scenario. Now, let's say briefly that these assumptions are wrong. For example, your, your team, you want to be Team C because Team B really only has one good pitcher. And so you want them to use that pitcher in the game and then have a worse pitcher against you who still has their ace in that game to make it to the wild card. So you think, okay, that might be advantageous. So let's say in this scenario that home field is worth a 55% chance of winning. And I did the math. This is what the actual math is on my napkin. In order for it to be advantageous for Team C to make that decision, they need to have a 79.75% chance of winning that first game for them for them to choose that over being Team B. And so just, just like for a quick example, on today's slate of baseball games, the Yankees are the biggest favorite of the day over the Orioles. They're only a 71% favorite. So they're, it's really rare to get a team, let alone in a wild card, to be favored by 79%. And so really... I don't see any way you would ever choose to be team C. And so I think team B is certainly the right answer. So if we get this scenario, which is what I'm kind of hoping for as a baseball fan, as a Red Sox fan, obviously I'd like to avoid it. But I think we'll get the Red Sox playing the Blue Jays. And then the loser of that game, the Blue Jays, will play the Yankees to see who gets to play the Red Sox at the wild card game. But that, that's right. the first scenario. The, <laughs> the, the second one is three teams fighting for one spot, which is something we might see in the NL. It's not as obvious the path for how that will happen um, as it is the AL, since the teams in the AL are literally tied. But we know that there's this group of teams fighting over one spot in the NL. So in theory, it could happen. So in this scenario, Club A uh, hosts Club B, and the winner of that game hosts club C. So in other words, the team in the best spot 
gets to basically choose if they would rather be club a and play two home games or they would rather be uh, club c and play one road game so my question for you is which one here do you think is better and the answer here is definitely less obvious than the last one hmm. i don't in yeah, fact, that's I don't an interesting right scenario answer. because if uh you would want to uh avoid playing um multiple like if you win you wouldn't want to play again um that would be like not from a math standpoint but just from like a human standpoint that would be very um like that would be kind of a letdown i would think um if you won and then had to play another playing game just to get into the playing game um in terms of how i think uh it would work out numerically i mean obviously whoever wins um that first game um they have to go 2 and 0 just to make it to the wild card game even though if even if it's two home games or I'm um, one home one away depending on which team we're talking about so i think team c might be where i would want to be because then i only need one win uh if that makes sense cuz uh just relying on having to win back to back games um, doesn't seem like an optimal position to me. It is a really interesting scenario, and it's why I root for it as a baseball fan, even as someone who likes to talk through these things from a strategical and mathematical perspective. I'd love to see what these teams decide. But basically kind of where I landed here, using some of the similar assumptions that I used on the last problem, is that the breaking point would be 61.8%. So if you feel like on average, as a home team, you would have above a 61.8% chance of winning in both games, on average, then that's the correct choice to make. But if you feel like you have less than that, then you should choose to be the away team. Um, and I think you mentioned it. I, I don't have the actual numbers to back this up, but it's hard to it's hard to see even like a 60-40 split in favor of the home team in the MLB. I really don't think home field advantage is that strong in many fields. It may be in a select few, but I think it's really rare for a team to find themselves in the scenario where they're where they can genuinely look themselves in the eyes when both teams are probably pitching their their best pitchers and say, Yeah, on both of these nights, we have above a 60% chance, not just above 60%, a 61.8% chance of winning both of these games and so we're going to choose to try and win twice because we'd rather be home instead of just trying to win once even though you're away so i think you're right i think the right choice is to be the away team but i mean as a fan kind of how would you feel you feel so deprived of like ah, oh, like they might get eliminated because they are playing the numbers and the math and they just want to go away and so i won't get to see him play but what a real what a real fan really care about that or does a real fan just want their team to do well i don't know do think a factor that we haven't mentioned is like if from an ownership perspective they would want home playoff games to oh, dude, sell tickets imagine? so <laughs> that like i specifically if we like that one would be harder like i feel like you could make more of a case from an ownership perspective of why you want to be team a in that scenario mm-hmm. um but the the first scenario we described where it was clear that you want to be the you want to be uh, sorry, now I'm getting I'm confused. But in, in that s- scenario, you want to be the team that gets to play twice and so is away twice. So you mm-hmm. don't get that that home game as the as an as an owner. 
that one would be much harder to explain to your fan base. I would, I kind of want to see that just from the drama standpoint, like, you know, like an owner kind of forced that decision on his team, like a non-optimal decision. Cause they're just trying to get their hands on a little more ticket uh, revenue. That would be yeah, like imagine Steve Cohen going on Twitter and telling oh uh, fans why it makes sense for them to pick the home game instead of having two opportunities. Obviously the Mets can't be in that scenario, but just like theoretically, like an owner with that type of hubris, <laughs> making uh, a fuss of it. I'm that is hundred percent what I'm rooting for. You've mentioned it now that I don't even like it. I won't even settle for a three-way tie at this point. I want the three-way tie plus the drama of the team making the incorrect decision. Oh, this is like, this is all I asked for. It's got to happen sometime in our lifetime. Victor, it needs to happen. That would give us some good content too, to call them out. Oh, absolutely. Oh man. No, now you've got me dreaming of these scenarios that will never happen. (laughs) I want it to happen. But thanks to the listeners for entertaining our, our strategy thought there. Both of me and Victor are uh, pretty analytical in our approach. So we like to do things like that on occasion. But now, as I accidentally mentioned earlier, or thought I almost skipped that last segment for the games. We're going to do something a little more fun now, a little probably less analytical. This is in particular when the hot takes for me sometimes come out and I say things like Trevor Lawrence sucks and then get lucky because he throws three interceptions. But <laughs> we're sticking we're sticking with baseball here. And what we're going to do here is we're going to draft wildcard teams, not playoff teams. So what I mean by that is we're trying to avoid teams that are going to win their division. We want to get the teams that are going to be in the wildcard game. So we're each going to get five picks here. And uh, for uh, Victor, if you're on the sheet I sent you, I listed out the top 15 teams by their mm-hmm. chances of making the wild card game according to fan graphs. So you can pick any of those. You can pick anyone you want, but I'd recommend picking one of those 15. Um, I think if you pick another team, you have no chance. It's actually kind of crazy that we can still say this part in the year. There's 15 teams that technically have a chance of making the wild card game although some of these teams the the astros down here at the bottom 0.2 percent chance they're they're going to win the division but mm-hmm. so the other thing to know here is i made a chaos wheel is what i'm calling it because i don't believe in myself and don't think i can beat victor head to head here i think the most likely scenario should be that we both end with two teams that make the wild card game and we tie but i can just see victor getting all four somehow so i've made this chaos wheel to make it a little more fair added an element of luck people who know me will know that's very hypocritical because i hate games like Catan that even have a dice in it because of the elements of luck it provides but here i am trying to even the playing field for myself so i've got this wheel I'm going to share my screen so Victor can see that I'm not doing any shenanigans here <laughs> uh, because I totally would. Victor, so you're not you, a fan of playing risk, huh? I, I am not mostly because it takes too long. Oh, <laughs> that's fair. But um, right now it's kind of hard to see what, what's on the wheel, but what basically there's 10 slices, four of them say normal on it. That's just going to be a normal round. Um. Let's see if I can actually find the list. It'll just be easier. One of them says AL team. That means you have to take an AL team in that round. One of them says NL team, which means you have to take an NL team in that round. One of them says flip with opponent, which means in that round, you will you will have to give up your pick for your opponent's next pick. So you just flip the your next two picks for the opponent. The next one will be 
gain a block. And so what that means is you don't get to, you can use it right away if you want, but basically you get to put in your pocket, this theoretical block. And at any point for the remainder of the game, you can block your opponent's pick. So if you really want that pick, you can, you can pull that out and said, I got this block. So I'm going to use it so that you cannot pick. Like for me, I'd be like, no, I'm not letting you get the red Sox block that type of thing. Mm-hmm. The next thing is uh, a team less than 40%. So if this happens early in the game, when there's still some teams that according to Fangrass, have above a 50% chance of making the wild card game, that's going to be a huge punishment. If it happens later in the game, it's going to essentially be a normal spin. So it'll be interesting to see when that pops up. And the last one is gain a respin, which means at any point you can choose to respin. Say it's forcing you to take an AL team, but you really want an NL team. You can use that respin at once, uh, one point in the game. Now, each of these things will happen once because I will be removing them as we spin them from the wheel. So they should happen. Now, hopefully Victor cannot see my notes of the teams I want because I'm only sharing the wheel. Is that true, Victor? You can't see what's on the left of my screen. I always see the wheel. Awesome. Okay. So what we're going to do here, I think a snake draft will probably be best. I'll let Victor choose if he wants to be first or second. So second, Uh, we'll get the second and third pick. I will let you go first. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm going to spin the wheel. Victor, Victor's being nice because he knows, well, he, well, maybe he's just being strategic because he absolutely knows what team I will be taking first, but I'm going to go ahead and give this wheel a spin. And uh, so it's going to land on, oh, I really thought it was going to land <laughs> on a, on a NL team, which freaked me out, but even worse, it, it gave me flip with opponent. So that means now Victor gets the first pick and I get the second pick Victor. You will still keep the third pick and I will go fourth. So Victor, you are actually now up with the first pick. Mm-hmm. Um, will he play spoiler? Dang, I probably should have thought about who I wanted to take first beforehand. Um, I will take the Blue Jays as uh, the first team. Any any particular reason? I think um, that lineup is so in in tune right now. Everyone one through nine, they got Bravik, Valeria, and Danny Jansen hitting, um, and then the rotation with Robbie Ray, Alec Manoa. Um, who was the third? Third. Rio? No, Barrios. Barrios. Uh, I think though that top three is really good. And even Ryu, if he could rebound, that would be it's a it's a nice rotation. I think they've kind of solved their bullpen problem. So I given that they have no chance. Oh, I shouldn't say no chance, but I think the odds of them catching the Rays is very unlikely. I think they're a safe bet to end up in in the postseason as a wild card uh, since. They're playing so well. They have so much talent and they're currently a wild card team. Yeah. And this is something we've kind of been wondering all season where it has been for the Rays. It's not like just a team getting hot at the right time. Their run differential off the top of my head, it's either second or third best, fourth, second, third, fourth best, something in there. It's one of the best in the league. Mm -hmm. Like This is a team, like if you're just going with like your Pythagorean win expectation, they should be winning way more than they have been considering the number of runs they've scored and the lack of runs they've given up. So I I like this pick. I think it's a really good pick. It is not the pick I would have gone with first, but I have to spin the wheel again to see if I can get the pick I want to get first. This is the pick I would have gone with second. I I will say that. And probably from a non-biased perspective is the correct pick. So I'm going, I'm going ahead here and spinning a second time. 
Oh my, I am kidding. I put these, I put, oh my gosh. I put these things in here to help even it out. And it is just absolutely killing me right now. Not only do I lose my first pick, I now have to pick a team that has less than a 40% chance of making the wild card. So that eliminates the Red Sox, the Blue Jays, or the Blue Jays were picked. It eliminates the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Giants, and the Cardinals. So I'm looking at the Padres, the Reds, the Phillies, the A's, the Rays, who are going to win the division, Braves, who are going to win their division. So, oh my goodness, Victor, do you know what you would do in, in this scenario? Um, I'd probably, uh, there's a Don't. really big gap between the, the Padres and Reds and those other teams. So yeah, you'd probably feel- pick one of those two teams for sure. Yeah. So the, the question is which of those two teams will you, well, do I want to take? So I'm going to take the Reds. Now, according to Fangraphs, the Reds have a 22.7% chance of making it. The Padres, 28.9% chance. The Padres are the correct team to pick, according to Fangraphs. So why am I picking the Reds? Well, for me, it's actually an argument against the Padres and not for the Reds. So I'll go ahead and say this. Maybe this will be so strong I can convince Victor not to pick them, and then I'll get both teams. Although I don't think that will happen. We'll see when we get there. But... If you look at the Padres remaining schedule, every single game they play are against a team that has a legitimate reason to be trying to win. And that's not always that usual to see down the stretch. I don't think another team on this list can say that they have such a tough schedule. So they finished tonight, I believe. I I don't know who they're playing right now, but I think it might be the Giants. Correct. Yeah, they're playing the Giants. Uh, Padres are winning four nothing, actually. So they're playing the Giants right now. Uh, finishing off that series, but then following that series, they have a series with the Cardinals who are trying to win a wild card spot. They have a series with the Giants who are literally only a game, a one and a half games up in the division, despite going like nine of their last 10 games winning. So like the Giants are still fighting. They do not want to be a wild card team. The Braves, that's the one that maybe won't be fighting by the time they play, but the Braves are technically fighting to try and keep their division lead. Then they play the Dodgers and then they play the Giants, both again, fighting for that division lead. So these aren't just like teams that are fighting when you have, I mean, they have like seven games against the Giants and three against the Dodgers. Those are like the best teams in baseball right now. Mm -hmm. I think that bodes really poorly for the Padres. And I know fan graphs factors that in, but I also have noticed that fan graphs tends to over estimate some of these teams that we expected to be better at the beginning of the season. So I think that 28.9% for the Padres is a little high. And so because I do not want to pick the Padres and I'm forced to take a team below 40% with my first pick in the draft, I'm taking the Cincinnati Reds who are ice cold right now. What do you think mm-hmm. of the Reds, Victor? Um, I think they have a chance uh, when Jesse Winker comes back. Uh, they could get some offense going. Their remaining schedule is pretty light, uh, if I'm remembering correctly. At least um, in comparison to the Padres. Yeah, certainly in comparison to the Padres. So I think I think I like the Reds' chances better than the Padres, and I think they have some more. They have players, and um, they have players that are coming back, and players that can quickly turn it around. I think um, more so than than San Diego. I think, I think, and I hope that you're, you, you are correct. So it sounds like Victor would have made the same decision if he was in this scenario, but he isn't. And here we are, Victor gets a spin and now the wheel is loaded with normal rounds. And I can just already tell that Victor's going to get one of the normal. So I'm going to go ahead and spin the wheel for Victor for his second pick, what should have been 
uh, back-to-back pick, but of course I had to switch my first pick and, oh, it was almost normal, but even worse for me, Victor has gained a block. So it is a normal round for him, but now Victor has the opportunity at any point to block my pick. (laughs) So congratulations, Victor. I'll be curious to see when you use that. That's going to really frustrate me, but who will you be taking with this pick? Uh, so I'll be taking the Red Sox with this pick. Obviously, I'm going block. a little chalk oh, wait, here with the Red Sox. Block. Dang it. <laughs> that was my first pick. Yeah, I was going, I'm going a little chalk here with the Red Sox and Blue Jays, but I think their odds are this high for a reason. Um, they, the Red Sox have had an uneven end to the season, but their team is still very good. They're currently in. Uh, that wild card position. Uh, Chris Sale is coming back from COVID tomorrow. I just think that they're a better team than the Yankees um, to close out the season. So I, th- I, ha- I would have it the Blue Jays finishing as the first wild card and the Red Sox finishing as the second wild card. Personally, I, I agree with you. Although I do have the Red Sox finishing ahead of the Blue Jays. I think when you look at the Red Sox, and of course this is coming from a biased perspective, I always have to give that cap caveat with the Red Sox, but the Red Sox just had a COVID outbreak that saw over 12 of their players go on the COVID IL and they were all MLB players. Some of them obviously more important than others, Chris Sales, Andrew Bogarts, Nick Pavetta, for example. But during that stretch, they still were an over 500 ball club. I believe they were like 10 and nine over that stretch, definitely over 500. It was only one game. So we'll call it 10 and nine and their odds of making the playoffs drop from being in the 80% to now in the 70 percent, And so I think as a Red Sox fan, seeing that happen, such a depleted team do all right and still keep their playoff chances so high bodes really well for what's going to happen now down the stretch now that they've kind of regained all those players that went on the COVID IL. And of course, the Red Sox had the hardest schedule in baseball to start the year and performed extremely well. So the reward for that now is they have perhaps the easiest schedule coming down the stretch i believe they only team over 500 they play is the yankees they have series against the mets that's the next best team they play they have a series against the orioles maybe two series against the orioles actually so while the yankees are playing the red sox blue jays and rays to end this this season the red sox will be playing like the orioles and the nationals so i i mean it's a very easy schedule the red sox in my opinion mind as a fan do not have an excuse not to make the playoffs and if that excuse happens to be defense i'm i'm not showing up here again so they better make it but congrats on getting the two al teams already now i have to make sure to get the nl teams just unbelievable for you okay so you got the red sox so i believe is now my pick right so i am up and so i've kind of already hinted what i want here is to try and get the second nl team to try and uh go here and so oh i got a normal pick it i almost got an nl team which would have been fine for me because that's what i'm going with anyways oh so now actually now that i'm thinking about it if i leave the yankees i do have one more i do have back-to-back picks now so maybe i'll take both but for the first pick what i'm going to do is i'm going to take the dodgers now, the Dodgers, according to Fangrass, have a 51.1% chance of making 
Oh, is this the right choice? Yeah, okay. The Dodgers, they have a 51% chance of making the wild card, and the Giants, their competitor, has a 48.9% chance. So we know one of those two teams will make it. The question is just who. And so what I'm gonna again look at look at the uh their remaining schedule here, and they're actually not too dissimilar. So they both have three games, both the Giants and the Dodgers have three games in Colorado, and they both have three games at home against the Padres. So if we remove those series and compare the remaining three, the Dodgers have a series at Arizona while the Giants have a series at home against Arizona. I think that favors the Giants because they're home during those series. Then the Dodgers have three games at the Reds, whereas the Giants have three games at the Padres. I don't know. That's probably pretty equal. It's maybe slightly in favor of the Giants again, if anything, in my mind, but we'll call that a push into this remaining series. The Giants have three games coming up here versus the Braves, whereas the Dodgers finish the year with three games versus the Brewers. Now, I think that does favor the Dodgers, even though the Brewers are the better team, because we know the Braves are going to be playing at this point in the season. I do not know if we can say with such confidence that the Brewers will be trying that last game of the season. They may try to be lining up some things for the playoffs so they get the right pitchers going. So that series may not end up being as difficult for the Dodgers as you would think when you just see Dodgers versus Brewers. But the question is then, is that schedule favorable enough for the Dodgers to make up one and a half games on the Giants? And I just don't think it is. And so because I think the Dodgers aren't going to chase down the Giants, just comparing schedules here. I think I'm going to go ahead and take the Dodgers pretty confidently to be that other wild card team. What do you think of that pick, Victor? Uh, it probably would not have been the pick I would have made, but I definitely see the logic to it. Um, I just I have such a hard time trying to diagnose the Giants Dodgers situation right now because I still I still think the Dodgers are a better team, and obviously. Uh, you make a good argument when it comes to the schedule and the Giants are obviously uh, arguably one of the three or four best teams in baseball right now. But I still think the Dodgers are um, almost look kind of unbeatable. So I think I would still favor them to win the division, even if it wouldn't have been the, the mathematical play. So you would have gone with the Yankees then? Likely, yes. If I give you, that's the thing. If you get the Yankees, you guarantee have basically have two AL teams. In my mind, that is guarantee you have two AL teams. So the question is, will I try and take the Yankees here with this pick, but will Victor just pull out the block? I'm thinking that's probably what he'll do, but we'll see it. And I'm kind of wishing I tried taking the Yankees last pick, force him to use the block, then took the Dodgers. <laughs> but of course I did not do that. But before, before I even get to pick, I have to spin this wheel. So let's see what I get here. Lots of normals left. We've got a gain, uh, a respin here. And I just missed getting that respin. And it's going to be another normal pick for me. Oh, so the question is, which team do I go with? I can hedge my Dodgers pick and get a guarantee with the Giants. I can take the Yankees and hope that I can't root for the Yankees. I'm going to take. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know. I'm Victor, are you ready to block one of these teams if I pick them? Uh-huh. My question is, which team are you blocking? I mean, I can't tell you that. I'll be giving away my strategy. All right. If I pick the, uh, are you going to block whatever team I do first? Will you tell me that? No. All right. I'm going to pick the Giants. Okay. It seems, 
it seems like he's going to let me get the Giants, which locks in an NL team for me, but will lock in an AL team for Victor unless the wheel gets him, uh, which really at this point is only one spot on the wheel. If he spins NL team, then he will not be allowed to take the Yankees. But I will take the Giants, uh, not because I think they're going to make it. I just laid out my case for why I pretty definitively think it's going to be the Dodgers who are going to be that wild card team. But just as a hedge, now I've got that one team locked up. So now I'm fighting with Victor to get that second team to, at this point, I'm playing scared. I'm just trying to tie Victor, not even trying to win. I just realized. So I'm going to go ahead and take the Giants. Now I'm just praying for an NL uh, spin for Victor. So I'm going to go ahead and spin it for Victor. We've got AL team on the wheel. We've got NL team on the wheel. We've got two normals and gain a respin. And it's going to give Victor an AL team, which I'm sure is the route he was already going. Who are you taking with the AL pick? We've got the Yankees at 60% and then drop all the way to the A's at 2% and the Mariners at 0.8%. What are you doing here, Victor? Yeah, the math is pretty clear on this one. I'll be taking the Yankees. Uh, if it wasn't obvious before, I would have blocked uh, your pick if you had chosen the Yankees. But uh, similar to your picking the Dodgers and Giants, I think the AL wild card will uh, will clearly come from two AL AL ah, excuse me AL East teams. Uh, so I think having the the Yankees, the Red Sox, and the Blue Jays, it, it should cover me for the entire AL wild card. And so basically, and I agree with you, worst case scenario, you are looking at a tie here because you've already got two teams locked down. Thus is the the random spin of the wheel. It backfires on me. I was trying to give myself a chance and I just took myself out of it. But I think the Yankees are the right pick. I do think that schedule down the stretch is concerning when you're in such a tight battle, when you have to play the Red Sox, Rays and Blue Jays in a way you can say they're controlling their fate but it's also not the three teams you want to be playing in this series. And the, the Yankees are the worst team in the division other than the Orioles at beating teams within the division. I believe they mm. barely have a winning record against the Orioles. They um, I've already locked in a losing record against the blue Jays. They're locked in a losing record against the Red Sox. I don't remember their total against the Rays, but I'm sure they've probably locked in a losing record against them too. So it's not the teams you want to see as a Yankees fan, but smart choice. Nonetheless, for you, Victor. Now you got a second pick. So I'm going to go ahead and spin the wheel for you. So we're coming back around the snake. It's a two person snake. And yet I'm still getting lost in it here. And it just inches past the normal. And what it's going to do is give him a respin, which <laughs> if he needed any other help, Victor's now sitting on a respin and a block, um, but go ahead and make your pick here. Unless you, you know, just want to use your respin here for kicks and giggles. Uh, why not respin it? Wow, he's so confident. He's going to <laughs> unbelievable. Oh my goodness. So he just gets the respin. He feels so good. He's going to go ahead and use it. Although now that I'm looking at it, what is he really doing here? We've got two normal picks and an NL team. So we might as well put the wheel away unless Victor is planning on taking an AL team here. He's not. So Victor, it landed on normal. Not that it mattered. Who will you be taking? I'll be taking the St. Louis Cardinals um, with my next pick. Uh, obviously coming into the season, I wasn't impressed by the Cardinals roster. Uh, honestly, as of three weeks ago, I was not impressed by the Cardinals roster, uh, but they've come on here lately. Adam Waitwright's pitching great. Uh, their whole lineup is really slugging, slugging right now. Tyler O'Neill's gotten hot. Arenado's gotten hot. Goldschmidt has gotten hot. Harrison Bader is contributing. 
so I think uh, the Cardinals right now, both from a mathematical standpoint and from uh, how they've been playing uh, in recent weeks, uh, have put themselves in a position to be be the second NL wildcard team. And along with uh, their rise uh, has come the demise of the Padres, the Reds, uh, the Phillies have collapsed. Uh, the Mets have been collapsed for uh, over a month now. So I think the Cardinals have uh, a pretty good shot to be that second NL, NL wildcard team. I wouldn't completely dismiss the Reds and Padres like I would dismiss the Mariners or Athletics, but I feel pretty confident that the, the Cardinals will be the second NL wildcard team. Yeah, and I agree. And of course, having that advantage of being the team that is currently sitting in that position it's, I mean, it's the right pick to make. That's the team I would have liked to get probably as my second choice. If I was, if I wasn't forced to choose between the Padres and the Reds, for me, the choice was always between the Reds and the Cardinals. And now I'm going to get two back-to-back picks here. And so what I'm looking at here, it's going to spin either normal or, or NL and Victor has a block. So <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm going to try and pick the Padres here and Victor's going to block it. So uh, let's see. It told me I got to pick an NL team. So I'm going to try and take, you still have your block, right, Victor? Yes. Yeah. So I'll try and take the Padres here. I'll block it. Okay. Here's the funny thing. I didn't actually want the Padres, but I just wanted Victor to use his block because what I'm going to do here is I'm actually going to hedge. And so there's only one spin left on the wheel, which is normal. So I'm going to go ahead and take both my picks here. So I'm actually going to take the Phillies and the Braves. Now the Braves obviously are sitting pretty to win their division, but I'm using the Braves as a hedge. Should the Phillies get hot? Because my concern is if the Phillies do get hot and make the wild card game, there's a chance that they end up passing the Braves and then the Braves might have to be that team that gets into that wild card game. So kind of why would I be in support of picking the Phillies, a team that is not looked good lately. Their bullpen is a meme at this point. Fangraphs has them projected to be 5.2% uh, chance to make the wild card game. Compare that to the 28 from the Padres. I just got blocked from picking, although I just admitted that I wasn't ever really going to pick the Padres. So the Philly schedule in this, I know I keep harping on the schedule, the schedule, the schedule, but I really feel like that's the most important thing you can look at down the stretch when you're comparing such even teams. Mm -hmm. I think the Phillies have three games against the Mets. That's at, so that's at the Mets. They have three games versus the Orioles. Then they have three games versus the Pirates. Then they have three against the Braves. That will be a key series for them. And then they have three at the, at the Marlins. So looking at Mets, Orioles, Pirates, and Marlins, I mean, it I, honestly, I don't know if you could really hand pick a better four series if you're the Phillies. That one series against the Braves is going to prove vitally important with how far back they are. They still have an outside shot at the division, which is why I picked the Braves to hedge against the Phillies. But I think it is conceivable to, to see. And honestly, if we're being if we're if we're looking at the NL and the way it's kind of gone, it's whatever team has been hottest last seems to be occupying that second wild card spot. I don't think either me or Victor will tell you the Cardinals are a team on par with everyone else in the playoffs. Uh, as far as the NL and AL is concerned. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like out of the question for the Cardinals who even have, I believe if they don't have a negative run differential, it's very close. They're, they're about a 500 ball club. And so could they go cold? Absolutely. And could the Phillies get hot with that schedule? Absolutely. So I don't feel too bad about getting this Phillies pick and being able to hedge it with the Braves. Yeah, I think it's a decent strategy for sure. Um, I was a little surprised to hear the Braves, but your reasoning definitely makes a lot of sense. If the Phillies were to 
somehow uh, pull off the division, um, the Braves would be a pretty valuable pick because uh, I would I would assume they would. Uh, I, I guess they could fall apart, but my working assumption is they'll be uh, better than the Cardinals to close out the season. So I, I, I get your pick. Yep. And uh, with your last pick, you're taking the Padres. Am I correct? Yes. Yes, sir. Padres. Yeah. So there's nothing really much more to say. They're, they're clear top team left. It's the Padres or it's the A's, Rays, Mariners, Mets, or Astros. So Padres, clear choice. But if you want to just recap those teams you have, Victor, because I'm pretty sure you've got probably three of the four teams. Uh, so I have the Red Sox, the Blue Jays, the Yankees, the Cardinals, and the Padres. And I have the Dodgers and the Giants, and it probably doesn't matter after that, but it's the Phillies, the Braves, and the Reds. So Victor for sure has a minimum of two. I have a minimum of one, and we're fighting over that last spot, and Victor's definitely in the better spot there too. So this whole idea of having this chaos wheel is what I was calling it. It backfires on me. That's going to be my excuse. Maybe that's the other reason I wanted the wheel because I knew I was going to lose anyway. So I wanted the excuse all along, but the wheel screws me. I don't think you had a single spin that went bad for you. I think I couldn't have had worse spins, honestly. Um, In the end, the spins didn't really matter much, but you getting the power-ups of the spin again, which you didn't even need, you just wasted and getting the block, uh, getting able to block me from the Padres or really if I wanted to try and take the Yankees, you would have blocked it anyway. Um, getting to steal my first pick, me having to draft a pick less than 40%. The excuses are not stopping. Victor, you're going to have to interrupt me. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely a fortuitous game for me, but uh, it, you did come up with this with this scenario, so you kind of did it to yourself, John. I, I absolutely feel did sorry it to myself. For you. But it was, it was a lot of fun. I will be, I'll be rooting hard for my underdogs. I like hot takes, so I'm always doing that anyway. Uh, it will be exciting. It's kind of annoying that you did get the Red Sox for me, but... It is what it is. Now we have one more game here. We're going to be shifting gears from the MLB to the NFL. And this one isn't going to be quite uh, take quite as much time. So it's going to be a weekly game. And so what me and Victor will be doing every week is we will be eliminating one NFL team from playoff contention. So there's 32 NFL teams, 14 teams make the playoffs. 18 teams do not. There just so happens to be 18 weeks in the season. So what we will be doing is every week we will be eliminating one team. And the hope is by the end of the season, we have all the playoff teams. Now, I don't think we're going to be able to accomplish that, but that's the goal, Victor. I think this time teaming up with you with no wheels screwing me over, I think we've got a chance. It should be easy to begin the season. And during the middle weeks, this should be when it's really interesting. We'll see what it looks like down the stretch. It will really depend how well we're doing. But we're actually going to eliminate two teams this week because we do not want to be eliminating our last team after week 18, because that would be kind of pointless. We want to be doing it before week 18. So we're going to, we're going to do two, two teams here. And I'm not sure if Victor and I are in complete agreement here, but I don't anticipating it being too difficult. Victor, is there a top team that you feel like we should be eliminating here from playoff contention already in week one? Uh, I think, I think the Jaguars would be my, my first choice. That is also my first choice. We kind of crapped on them at the beginning. They don't have an NFL coach. They have a college coach and they have a college quarterback. So, and that defense is awful. They let Tyrod Taylor uh, just play well against them. That doesn't happen that often in the NFL. It does not. So I think the Jags are the easy, obvious choice. So let's take the Jags. They're eliminated from playoff contention. I don't think anyone out there is going to disagree with us. Even Jags fans. 
they're all invested in the future of Trevor Lawrence. They're not really invested in making the playoffs this year. So eliminate the Jags. That's the easy choice. The set, the second choice that honestly is much harder. There's already like, I can see reasons in my mind. I'm like, this could be the wrong choice, but I, at the end of the day, the teams I'm considering probably all won't make it, but is there a team that stands out is the second choice, Victor? Uh, not as obvious as the Jaguars. I would probably say before the season started, I would have picked the Texans, but them having a one and zero start kind of, uh, makes it a disadvantage disadvantageous pick compared to the teams that did start 0 and 1 and then among the 0 and 1 teams I I see right now five teams that I really think have absolutely no chance at the postseason and likely won't even uh, be putting that much effort into making the postseason so um I don't know how do you see it I also think it's the Texans. Um, my hesitation with the Texans isn't even that they won. I mean, they beat the team that we just eliminated from the playoffs. I think the Texans are distinctly the worst team in the league. Um, however, now I'm thinking that might be the Jags. Where my hesitation lies, and don't take offense to this, Victor, it's a Titans fan. I do not feel like the winner of that division really will need that many wins to make the playoffs. I think it will be around a 500 team. So the question is, do the Texans have a chance to be a 500 team? Most likely, no chance at all. But, I mean, it's way easier than looking at some of these other teams and saying they're going to need 10, 11 wins maybe to make the playoffs. So that's my hesitation with the Texans. Um, but the other two teams I'm considering, uh, if we didn't want to go the Texans route, are the are the Falcons. Now, I still have hope that the Falcons can turn it around. They're a team I liked heading into this year and was excited to see week one, but they looked they looked awful. And the other team is the Lions. I think the Lions were another team right there with the Texans that I didn't have much hope with into the uh, going into the season. I'm not a big fan of Jared Goff. I don't know if the Lions are even big fans of Jared Goff. He's kind of a fill-in right now, so they're trying to get their franchise figured out. They threw like, I don't know, like it felt like 100 times to their running backs, which is never a great sign if you're a team that wants to be competing, that like your top targets are your tight end, who is a beast, but then your two running backs. So, I mean... The Lions I'm comfortable with. Maybe we don't, maybe we get a week or two more information on the Falcons, but I'm pretty much between the Lions or Texans here. Yeah, that is interesting. Uh, the Falcons weren't even on my radar. Um, they weren't even one of your five. Yeah. When I'm looking at it, I see the Giants. I think they are absolutely abysmal. I think Daniel I Jones is that, awful. That's that offensive pick. line is terrible. I don't know how they're going to score points. And Saquon Barkley isn't going to be 100% for multiple weeks um i did agree the lions definitely they're terrible i think the bears uh this is going to be justin fields either justin fields de de developmental year or it's going to be andy dalton uh performing poorly for the whole season uh the jets were another one i think zach wilson's going to have a steep learning curve and i think uh especially with the injury to makai becton i think their team is generally uh, pretty bad and then the fifth team would have been the texans but Texans do give me a little more pause compared to the other four. But obviously, if we do a line on the Lions, I think that would probably be the most uh, sensible pick for us. I do. I do actually like the Jets pick and the Giants pick as well. The Giants make me nervous for the same reason the Texans do. I do not know how many wins will be needed to win that division. I think the Cowboys are the best team between those two divisions. You might disagree as a Titans fan. I'm not sure. But um, 
I'm I'm okay with eliminating the Jets as well. I think there's three good teams in that division. But let's say let's do this. Let's not eliminate the Texans for sure. They won a game. We'll give them their reward. We're gonna wait a week or two to eliminate you, Texans. Congrats on winning. We'll mm-hmm. pick one of these other teams that probably aren't gonna make it. So I, let's do Lions or Jets. Which which do you think? Or um, what's our third team? I can't remember. I know you um, just said Lions. Giants. That was the one we agreed upon. Uh, agreed on. Yeah, Giants. Let's wait on the Giants as well. I think Lions are. Yeah, Jets. that division's going to be really bad too. So the Giants might hang around for a little bit. Kind um, of overlooked in my Trevor Lawrence rant was the person right there with him was Zach Wilson. So. Mm-hmm. So I think the Jets would be my ultimate pick because I think we both agree there are three. Uh, good to potentially really good teams in that division. Uh, Mac Jones really impressed me. The Patriots have a really good Heck defense. Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> the Bills' defense, um, even though it was Big Ben, they looked pretty impressive. I think Josh Allen's still going to be uh, an MVP level quarterback. And the Dolphins, they did win against the Patriots. Um, Tua looks uh, a little improved. He looks like a solid game manager type. I like uh, Gaskin. I like their weapons. I like their defense. I like their coaching. Um, I think that division compared to the NFC North, where um, maybe Aaron Rodgers is washed, uh, the Bears aren't a competitive team, and the Vikings look like they really look like an eight and eight, or I guess eight and nine, nine and eight now. They look like a completely average team to me uh, all around the roster. So I think that, that division might uh, keep the lines in it a little longer, but I think the Jets are going to get buried uh, pretty quickly here. Yeah, let's do it. Let's pick the Jets. I'm I'm pretty sure the Lions will be right out the door here soon enough. But let's go with the Jets this week. I feel good about these two picks. I think we're at almost no risk, probably no risk at all, that one of those two teams, the Jaguars or the Jets, make the playoffs. So we eliminated two teams from the AFC coming for the NFC next, maybe. But the Texans are still out there, so you never know. So that concludes that game for this week. Hopefully it gets a little more interesting as we actually are forced to take some legitimate teams out of contention. But I think it will take a few weeks, probably like six or seven before it really starts getting a little painful, but a good start. I'm excited to see how that develops throughout the season. Now we're going to end here real quickly with, we actually had a listener question submitted. The question was this week in fantasy, it's a super flex. Should he start Heineke or Rogers? It's an, it's absurd question. Of course, it's more, it's more of a joke question. We know the answer. You're still starting Rogers this week. Now, I'm going to phrase it this way. So, especially the matchups this week definitely favor Aaron Rodgers as well. Heineke plays tonight against the Giants defense. If they have one thing going for them, it is a slightly below average defense. So, that's good for them. Um, I I don't remember. I think Rodgers plays the Lions. We were just crapping all over the Lions. So Monday night. Monday night, the get right game. Rodgers is mad. You hear all the narratives on Twitter. Rodgers could go off. You're starting Rodgers this week. But this is what I want I want to say. So let's take last season out. The Rodgers from 2009 to 2014. Going, going back to that stat I was talking about at the very beginning, EPA, expected points added per play. Rodgers is second in the league behind Peyton Manning from 2009 to 2014. A truly elite quarterback. Now, from 2014 to 2019, he drops all the way to 13th. That's behind guys like Carson Wentz, uh, behind guys like Kirk Cousins guys that we've continued to see decline since then that were ahead of Aaron Rodgers at that point. And so 
at that point, we're going into the 2020 season last season. And it's the narrative is that Rogers is maybe good still. He's not a lead anymore. And he, it, in my opinion, is an average quarterback. I have, here's his ranks of like all the advanced metrics from the 2019 season yards per attempt, a stat you'll see cited a lot, 17th in the league, uh, completion percentage, um, over expectation number 17. If we look at a, a little different version of that, that's done by next gen stats completion plus or minus he's number 28 in the league. His EPA per play is 13th, his QBR, which is kind of like the ultimate collect all QB stat way better than the, what's the other one? I don't even remember the one that everyone uses. That's awful. Passer QB, rating. Yeah. Passer rating. Terrible QBR though. Number 20 in the league. And then his DVOA is number 13 in the league. So the takeaway there is Rogers after like already showing signs of decline from 2014 through 2018 at the end of 2019, he looks like a league average, if not below average quarterback. And that was all behind one of the best, if not the best pass blocking team in the league. So you're heading into 2020 season Rogers on the decline. All of a sudden out of nowhere, he has this MVP caliber season. He once again is this elite quarterback that we saw in the early years of his career. My question is, is if after the performance we saw week one and we know that Rodgers has some effort problems just based on the fact that out of nowhere he can have such an elite season despite like five years of declining play. He doesn't necessarily seem interested to play this season. It was all that back and forth, all that drama in the off season. It's not out of the realm of possibilities that Rodgers is an average to below average QB this season. So I think the interesting question is here, if Rodgers continues to show those signs, I think we should be genuinely concerned. And let's say he is, let's call him an average to below average. Is Heineke, does he slot anywhere near that even? Or is Heineke not even a below average quarterback? Um, if I feel like if, Washington believes Heineke was an average quarterback. They probably wouldn't have signed Fitzpatrick. But um, yeah, I I would be pretty surprised if Heineke was better than Rodgers this year. Obviously, you do make a compelling case. 2019 season was not very good uh, for Rodgers. The Packers turned to a much more run-heavy offense to supplement his uh his decline. But I do think, given his track record given his physical talents, given what he did do in 2020, I would, I would hold off on comparing him to, <laughs> to uh, the backup on uh, one of the not great offenses in the NFL. Yeah. I think obviously that's the correct take. Now I will say in Heineke did have an above average EPA during the playoffs last year. could not have been a smaller sample size, a uh, sample size of one game, but that would have slotted him ahead of Rogers EPA in 2019. Again, it's one game. So who really cares? But anyone can be better than anyone on one on one given day. But I think 2020 to me is more likely to be an outlier for Aaron Rodgers than a career resurgence. I think I don't see any reason why he shouldn't have been motivated in week one. So this argument that he's now going to be motivated because he was so awful in week uh, one and now he's going to be motivated again, I, that argument holds no weight for me. I've never really been an Aaron Rodgers guy. I feel like I was on his decline way faster. So again, there's probably a little bit of bias, me trying to hold on to those victory laps I was taking then similar to Trevor Lawrence, maybe fast forward in 10 years, I'll be saying these same things about Lawrence, but I think it is an interesting question and something to keep your eyes on. I think a lot of people are saying, oh, you don't need to be worried about Rodgers. I think you absolutely need to be worried about Rodgers, but obviously we're not making the decision to bench 
him in favor of Taylor Heineke. Certainly not. And that's where we'll go ahead and conclude the podcast today. Today, Victor, is there any other things you want to add before we sign off and head into this weekend? I'm just really excited to see how this uh, this these wild card races end up uh, going. There's so You're just many excited possible... to beat me. That's all it is. <laughs> we're we're rooting. No, it. no. Everyone listening and Victor, remember we are rooting for a three-way tie where an owner makes a terrible decision. So we get the drama of like he seriously made this for money and not to advance in the playoffs. One hundred percent. I can't wait till John Henry and Heim Bloomer arguing over uh, which which team they should be in the wild card. Could you imagine if the if they end in a three way tie and we were saying obviously Team A is the team you want to be in that scenario and it was a question between the next two Team B and Team C. Imagine if the Red Sox didn't pick Team A. Oh my goodness, I I would like I would like Heim Bloom officially would be a beta. Like there's no excuse. (laughs) It would be unbelievable. Oh my goodness. But it's our, I can already see it happening. Red Sox got to figure out their defense first anyways, if they even, if it even really matters, maybe that's John Henry's argument. Look, our defense is the worst in the league. We're not going to win. Let's just make some money. Maybe, you know, I, we didn't bring it up earlier, but could it, there be a matchup incentive that might influence you uh, in that thinking? Uh, if you know, the blue Jays are going to be one team and you're way more confident. I don't know. Like, let's say an owner irrationally thinks, oh, we have like an 80% chance to beat the Yankees. Uh, would there be any scenario where, where you might take the suboptimal choice just so you could face the Yankees instead of the Blue Jays? I think that might be another uh, sort of intangible thing that might be uh, what they talk about in these scenarios. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to talk to the person who thinks facing Garrett Cole, you can even have an 80% chance. Of winning, even though I think the Red Sox, we live rent free in the Yankees' heads, and I don't believe it's the other way around at this point in both teams' trajectories. So mm-hmm. I get that. I do think the Red Sox on any given day have the advantage over the Yankees. I don't think with Garrett Cole on the mound, even with Chris Sale, it's eighty percent or whatever number we're throwing out there. It's it's Certainly. not that. So, but the, I could see maybe an argument of trying to figure out a way that you can play the Yankees after they use Garrett Cole, and then we're facing like Tyone or Luis Heel or. I, I don't know who else, honestly. Domingo the, Herman comes Yeah, back the Yankees simultaneously have a very deep rotation and a very, like, not deep. It's just, like, a huge drop after Cole, and then it's a lot of, like, the same guy. He would be, like, Jordan a three Montgomery. or four. Yeah. They just don't have a two. A lot two. of solid three, four types. I exactly. think he, he'll – his command is so, so bad, and he doesn't have a third pitch, but his stu- – his the fastball slider is so good, I could see – him being uh, like dominant through a two, three, maybe even a four inning outing. So you know, maybe he would be the choice. Maybe they would go with Montgomery's consistency, but who knows? Uh, that would be some really like 3D chess type of thinking, though, uh, trying to get to the Yankees' second pitcher in the playing game before the wild card game. You'd have to, so many variables would have to go correctly. It really, it really, there's no reason to make the decision, but like, no matter what happens, the wild card races, both are going to be super exciting down the road. The AL race in particular, all three teams being from the same division, all three teams having some sort of animosity with each other. At least the fan bases do, although it's kind of hard not to like the Blue Jays. Let's be honest. They're an electric team. And I got to say the same thing about the Rays. It's hard from my way of thinking about things, which is very analytical. It's hard not to like the Rays. 
but still in division they're, they're all these teams look like they could be threats for years to come. It's, it's just an exciting division. It's going to be an exciting race. Um, go Red Sox. That's the last thing I got to say. 